Well, wonderful to be with you here and really praise the Lord for his grace and mercy that has brought me up uh, from, uh, from uh, out from darkness into his kingdom and not only that has been using me um, and my family in an amazing way. Tonight I'm going to uh, um, share with you the um, about about my life story and also ministry, what uh, we have been doing. Um, the title is Exodus from Darkness. That's my ministry from Islam to Christ and outreach to Muslims for Christ. So I'm going to show you some photos from my family and uh, speak a little bit about my testimony at the beginning to you and uh, then after that uh, what we are going uh, what we are doing and how we are reaching out to Muslims um, I've come from the northern part of the country Iran uh, by the Caspian Sea <coughs> Born in a Muslim family, my father had two wives and 12 children. We were all living together. Um, because I was a good student in school, my parents thought that I could become a good religious boy. So they encouraged me, they invested in my life. I got involved with Islamic ritual, learning Islamic traditions, rituals, and memorizing the Quran at the age of nine. Since the age of nine, I became very famous. And people called me to their different religious ceremonies. I performed Islamic rituals and recited the Quran. But I was not a radical Muslim in that time. I even didn't know what radicalism meant. And after I uh, entered the university, I uh, became a follower of this man, Ayatollah Khomeini. I became a radical Muslim fighting against the king of Iran. And uh, so there was a huge pressure on the ruling king and he left the country, we captured the country and uh, we started to rule the country by Islamic law. That's me there in an army uniform. I was initially invited by the, by the group of the grand leader to become the chief commander one of the three chief commanders of the revolutionary army. Um, the Revol Iran had a very powerful general army, but radical Muslims never trusted general army because many members of the general army are patriots. They love their country, and, um, and but radical Muslims want an army very aggressive, and even necessary to destroy their own country. And so uh, that was the uh, purpose of the Ayatollah. Um, but it didn't happen. I very soon became an opposition and went to my hometown. In my hometown, I became um, a famous man there working among people. This is one of the days that I was in a mountainous area visiting people. I was, I'm praying Islamic prayer there. Um, 
Next one, please. Yeah. Um, then I was involved with running and a revolutionary organization that helped the rural area. We took, you know, the city life to the rural rural areas, like building schools for them, taking electricity there, building roads and bridges. In addition to that, and also I was overseeing a group that um, was preparing young boys and girls with fighting techniques. That's me in front of those young people. In month, we were taking them in mountainous area, teaching them. And um, this is my wife. She was one of the young girls and interested in preparing herself for fighting for the cause of Islam mainly to go and you know kill Jews and capture Israel, something like that, or uh, um, to, to invade the interests of the Western countries, especially America. So we were preparing young boys and girls for that. And uh, next one, please. And uh, so because she was one of those she was more aggressive than other girls. I said, well, this is mine. This, because leaders really love aggressive girls and boys because they, they do the job, you know, perfectly. So for the same interest, we got married. This is our wedding day. Next one, please. After our marriage, next one. Um, this is after our first child. My child is, our child is not covered like my wife because she's not seven yet. Um, you have to cover your daughter from the age of seven in Islam because seven is the age of marriage in Islam. You're a lady now and you have to cover yourself. You're ready for marriage with any, any person, no matter the age. For example, the Prophet of Islam was 49. He got married with a 60-year-old girl. Islamic book said the marriage was consummated while she was nine and the Prophet of Islam was 52. It's still practiced very badly <laughs> in some Islamic countries. It's a huge problem. If you go to the website, even United Nations is complaining they are not able to look after those girls who were disabled because of their you know, sexual relationship. So it's still in all Islamic countries, uh, more or less practice. Next one, please. Um, this is another picture of my family. The young one is not uh, yet there. Next one. This, is, this was the time I announced my candidacy for Islamic parliament. I was an opposition to the grand leader Ayatollah I showed you. And uh, he, his group invited me, his party invited me to be their candidate, but I was really disillusioned with his leadership. I rejected that. That rejection cost me a lot. In the day of election, they beat me with chains. I, I fell unconscious in the street and imagine so how cool they were. But we won the election with 88%. One of my colleagues became the president of the country. But Ayatollah lost with 2% in less than a year in the country. And that was um, so hard for him. 
couldn't tolerate that. He was the chief commander of the Revolutionary Army. I showed you. Um, I mean, we there was another chief army commander, but holy leader is always the top chief commander. And so what he did, he wanted to get rid of the president, independent man. Three times plotted to kill him and eventually he ran away from the country. The president of the country ran away and the, the, the government was demolished. Some were able to run away, some were killed. I was one of them put and put in prison. It was a cell actually, I lived in a toilet. Um, there, that just the toilet, one meter to one meter, you know. And then I got the death sentence, they moved me to another state before others. We were, we were waiting on the death row and all four were killed. And I didn't know that there were some of my old friends that they put their lives in risk and they did something. Um, they released me temporarily so I could run away from Iran to Turkey. And so uh, um, I left the country, I went to Turkey. Um, Turkey, Turkish is my mother language. It's a bit different, you know, maybe 30, 40%. So I learned the language in Turkish and I entered the university and did my doctorate in the university. The major of my doctorate was about cultures, religions, um, philosophies, philosophical beliefs like socialism, communism, and uh, other other philosophical beliefs like confusion, like new age and other humanism. But the major world religions like Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Taoism, Christianity, and uh, to compare and see in what ways they shape the culture, they shape the family, they shape the attitudes of people. And there I was amazed for the first time with Christian values. And I saw Christianity is the top in every way in comparison with all other beliefs and religions. You know, in moral ways, in uh, ethical ways, ethic, you know, concerning work ethic and uh, leadership, family establishment, organizational culture, freedom, that um, Christ Christianity is the only, only religion that tolerates individual freedom or protects freedom believes that freedom is very fragile, individual freedom, and it needs to be protected by God. No other religions and beliefs have such a view about freedom. So it was amazing for me. And I found my religion, Islam, was the least of all other religions, was really and below the bottom of the pyramid. It just very premature in every way. So that really changed my worldview towards Christianity. And then 
later on, God opened the door for me to go to a church, Iranian church, you know, something happened. I, I lost $30,000 to my business partner, a Muslim guy. He, he took my money and ran away to Germany. So uh, that Christian group was working with him. So I said, I couldn't find any legal way to chase him because I just simply trust and put my money with his and make the capital, made the capital largest, but he took money, my money and his and ran away. So just to find a way, get some ideas, I went to those Christians church, <laughs> you know, shared my problem with them and they offered their help to me to find him in Germany. They were, they, they found him actually later after, after some months, but through those months, I, I went continually to the church, not for Christ, for my money. Just wanted to show myself to them that I'm here, I'm serious, I'm, I'm right, you know, please do something for me. But in the meantime, I was listening to their messages, you know. <laughs> their, their messages really concerning God was amazing. I never knew that the nature of God in the Bible is different to the nature of God in other religions and in, um, in Islam. They were saying that God in the Bible is the personal God, whereas God in other religions are not personal. That, therefore, they are not known. For example, in, in Taoism, you know, in Hinduism, in, in Buddhism, I mean, Buddhism, a, a majority section do not speak about God. Or in Islam, gods are unknown. Nobody knows who, who they are, you know? They are just following unknown God. That's their doctrine, that's their philosophy. But that's because they are not personal, they cannot have personal relationship. Because there's no personal relationship, so no salvation. So they, they say, oh, we don't know, maybe in the life after, they say something happens there. But these people were saying that God in the Bible is personal. If God is not personal, he cannot create. Why? Because only personal being can have image. Not impersonal, not a non-person. For example, you cannot say non-person is all, almost nothing. You cannot say there is not a person but that person has an image. <laughs> you cannot have an image. You cannot say that because it doesn't make sense. No person has an image. That doesn't make sense. So they said only personal God can have image to design there and then put that design into practice like creation. So if God is not personal, he cannot create. God is not personal. He cannot be functional. God is not personal, he cannot tell you I love you. God is not personal, he cannot tell you follow, follow me because you only follow a personal being. You see how powerful philosophy is this? These are all philosophy I talk to you. It's just amazing. It just really touched my mind and heart. It's true, if God is not personal, how can I have a relationship with him? How can I be blessed by his grace? How can he show his love to me? 
it, it was fascinating. So I had a gun for my money. You see what's happening? <laughs> I, later on, I had a dream. And uh, the following Sunday, I went to the church. I heard my dream from the pulpit. I was in my dream. There was an earthquake, huge, you know, earthquake. People die as if everywhere, even was cyclone, killing wind, something like that. It's chaos everywhere. Scary. You see people are dying. I was alone in my father's house. Exactly the same old muddy countryside house. And I cried to God. I said, there's no one here to help me. In that time, Jesus revealed himself to me and said, I'll help you come out from your father's house. So I rushed out. My father's house collapsed. The following Sunday, I went to the church. Somebody was preaching there. The title of his message was The House on the Rock of Jesus. In his message, I heard the same sentence I had heard from Jesus. Come out from your father's house. Live in the house that Jesus has built for you on the rock. Nothing can destroy it. But your father's house can be destroyed by everything. And my father's house was destroyed, destroyed by earthquake last, last night in my dream. So I was shocked. I said, am I having another the same dream here? And um, so that dream, their teachings, and my university study all encouraged me to read the gospel personally. That was amazing. Gospel is an amazing book concerning the revelation of God to you. Not only that, gospel puts your hands in the hands of God in a way that you know God well and then you put your trust in him. John chapter 1 is the most powerful philosophical chapter to reveal God to you. It says he is the word. You see, the word is the definition of God in philosophy in every religion. So in Hinduism, Taoism, Islam, Christianity. What is God? The philosophical response is the word. But what kind of word? It is here that Christianity and the biblical view shows different to all other gods. What kind of word? Non-personal word. In other words, cannot become person. Unknown word. So you do not know. Um, Non-relational word. That word is not relevant to your life. Imagine in all other religions, gods are irrelevant to the life of people, but they are following. They do not know the god they are following. You know, you never follow a person whom you do not know. You know, you don't go to a street, randomly find the person and say, I don't know you, madam, sir, I'm going to follow you. If you do, you scare, you scare the person. It's not practical, you know. This is, you see, this is non-practical thing is practiced 
about unknown God. They are following the God whom they do not know. Uh, so that was amazing to me. I found the word here in the Bible is different. It's the personal word. The word reveals itself. The word became flesh. Why? Because the word is personal. Why did the word wanted to show um, as a person? Well, that's in verse 14, to show his truths, justice, glory, beauty. You see that beauty. You understand it through the eyes of your conscience, heart, mind. And you discover that beauty and you say, yeah, that's beautiful. I want it. With knowledge, you open the door of your heart. He comes in. When he comes in, the other guy runs out. Why? Because they don't like each other. Satan and God do not like each other. When God comes, Satan goes. And then you can see, I am free. I am saved. Why? Because God is with me. If God is with me, if God is against me, who is against me? Is with me, who is against me? And that's the, that's the logic of the Bible. Emmanuel, God is with us. That's the meaning of God. Almighty God is with me now. I am saved. And it's in, in, in every way, it makes sense. Logically, it makes sense. If God is almighty, he's everywhere, he should be for a purpose. Is If he's here, and he is the source of absolute justice, love, kindness, righteousness. If I beg him, please help me. And if he doesn't help me, he doesn't save me. He is not the true God. He is the false God. But the true God should rush and stand against injustice and release you, free you from chain. That's a logical thing, you know? It just made sense to me. That's amazing. God must reveal himself. God must come to me because I can't go to him. I'm in chain. In all other religions, they are asking you to go to them. You can't go, you're in chain. I'm in chain, I can't go. But you're mighty, you're almighty, you're not in bondage, you're not in captivity, you can go. He comes to you and saves you. This is the big difference. God comes and saves you. In other religions, oh, I go to God. That's a wrong philosophy too. You are a person, he's not a person. How can you go to a non-person? Doesn't make sense. In every way, other religions, you know, do not make sense in every way. And when you even come to social, social life, you can see that they do not have really sound family values. No Buddhist, no Hindu, no Taoist, no Shintoist is actually living according to his own 
her religion. They are just living according to a culture. And in some ways, they are following their religion, but they are not living according to, they can't live according to their religion. How can you live with a non-personal God? In Hinduism, it says Brahman became millions of God. If Brahman, Brahman is impersonal, how he become personal? Impersonality cannot become personal. Wrong philosophy. Anyhow, I just really touched my mind and heart. I just read the book. I finished it and I discovered that God of Islam is a false God. He cannot be a true God. It's a God made in the image of the Prophet of Islam. It's not a real God. The characteristic the Quran is speaking about Allah is just a pagan characteristic. Doesn't make sense. You know, it's just not the true God. So I lost that dependency. And I started to read the gospel. The second time reading the gospel really touched my heart in, in every way, in a spiritual way, in a social way, um, especially the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, everything is established on unconditional love. If it is not established on unconditional love, it's impossible for you to have harmony, peace with someone, even your spouse, with your children. It's impossible. It unconditional love, it is the unconditional love only creates 100% commitment because unconditional love is the perfect love. I'm going to speak about that one on Sunday to you. That's the perfect love. Only perfect love creates harmony. And that's why Jesus says, love God with all your being. Love everybody, your spouse, neighbor, enemy, just like yourself. Why? Why? Because only love can bring people together. Only love can change people. Only love of Jesus Christ changed me. Nothing could change, you know? That unconditional love is the only solution. I said, this is amazing. This is just absolutely logical and rational. You have to really respect people and love them unconditionally in order, in order to be able to establish a sincere friendship. You don't go to people who say, well, I hate you, but I want to become your friend. That doesn't make sense. And so I said, this is amazing. And I decided to give my heart to Jesus. Next slide, brother. And I, you know, changed, changed my entire life. You see, I'm smiling here. That's me there. Um, it, I was not smiling in my wedding, you see. You saw that. <laughs> it's just because of Jesus Christ. He put a smile on my face. If we are, you know, that's an American guy who spent his entire life among Iranians and working among Iranians. We are talking to two Muslims in front of us about Jesus Christ in Turkey. 
And then after that, God did amazing things and brought my wife and children. They joined me in Turkey. My wife didn't know I was a follower of Christ. I couldn't tell her. You remember she had a gun? <laughs> she, was, uh, she was an aggressive lady. So, I mean, she knew Islam. And also in Islamic law, if you change your religion, your spouse should divorce you on the spot and then cooperate with leaders to kill you. So I didn't want to tell her to push her to into, into that chaos. I really wanted um, her to come and see the changes in my life. And she was amazed, really, after coming and joining me and seeing me, I was happy. A committed Muslim doesn't show happiness to wife, especially. You know, your author, you have authority about your wife. If anybody you see, they are nicer to their wife, that means they are not following Islam well. You know, um, you see, Iranian culture is against Islamic culture. Before Islam, we had a queen in our country ruling the country. So they have reverence towards ladies. There is a love story in Islamic culture, sorry, in Iranian culture, which is very opposite to Islamic culture. Islamic culture says in Quran chapter 33, verse uh, 33, ladies do not go out, stay inside. The prophet of Islam said, if you go out, the first person come and visit you is Satan. <laughs> so he was just trying to put the ladies in the, in the room. So that kind of changes I'm talking about here, you know. She was unable to talk to me in Iran, to say to me, no, I, I beat her. Quran said, you beat your wife in chapter 4, verse 34, chapter um, 38, verse 44. You can lock your wife in the room until she dies if you catch her in the immorality. But in the same chapter, chapter 4, that's the chapter 4, verse 15, Chapter 4, verse 16 says, verse 16, if your husband is caught in immorality, he gets some lashes and walks free. So that kind of changes I'm saying to you. She saw me, I'm smiling, I'm happy. I'm, help, I'm playing with my children. I'm, I'm washing dishes. And sometimes I forgot she was there. I was singing with joy. Singing music is illegal in Islam. It, if radical Muslims take over, nobody sings, nobody plays. They break everything. So singing, she said, no, this is not normal. He has lost his mind. I think he's, he's getting mad. And then in the second week, she said to me, what has happened to you? Why, why are you doing this? She was afraid. Um, that was the first time I was afraid from my wife. I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. You know why I was afraid? If I thought if she discovers that, minimum, she would take the children and go back to Ibama. Because it's terrifying to become a follower of Jesus Christ, especially for mothers. 
if mother tolerates may, she may lose our three children. Because in Islamic law, they can take your children from you. Imagine that. So I am speechless. My heart is beating. What should I say to her now? It's just after a week. And I started to complain to Jesus. Why are you rushing? I need time. Why are you rushing? I needed minimum one, two months, you know, little by little, open the door. What this is one week, why should I tell her? This is going to be so painful for her, for our children, and for me. Why are you rushing? Do you want to come and help me? That's why you're rushing. <laughs> oh, I praise his name, and he came and helped me. I really praise his name. I really love Jesus. You know, I know a lot of things, you know, from many things in the world. None of them is just comparable to the love of Jesus Christ, to his living spirit, you know, being a practical God. It's just amazing. I have seen his might in my life and in the life of my family. He came and helped. She was terrified when she heard I told her I was a follower of Jesus Christ. She cried, she shouted over me. She could shout now. Because in Islamic religion, if you change your religion, you lose the authority, she becomes boss. Now she knows she can shout. <laughs> She's shouting over me. Why did you put our children? What kind of dad you are? You're cruel. You're, you want your children to be orphan in the hands of other people? You put your entire family in Iran under the pressure of government? What kind of person you are? I told her, don't be afraid. I was afraid. But, the, but you don't know who Jesus is. We just know Jesus from, the, from Islam. Please come and read with me the gospel. And she said to me, it's a phrase in Iranian language, anybody goes to hell wants a friend. In other words, you're going to hell, you want a friend, friend with me. Just don't ask me that, you know. So his health was amazing. She didn't go back. Why? Because back in Iran, something has happened she had vowed not to go back. That was done by Jesus for me. The Ayatollah in Iran, the leader, has sanctioned that parents can give their children, daughters, nine years and above for short marriages, one week or one month or six months. Short marriage in Islam is illegal, so many countries do not practice that, but countries like Egypt, Iran, Lebanon um, practice it. So you can have a wife for one night even in Islam. 
Now, even though she was a committed Muslim, she knew Islam, radical Islam, she knew that, but because she was mother, she said, how can I see my little children in the arm of a man 80 years old, 60 years old? Even though she knew what Islamic, what Iranian culture was strong in that, she said, this is horrible, I'm not going to come back again. That's what Jesus allowed to happen for her not to go back. Now she's now here, she's just worrying. She's telling me, you don't have any right to talk to anyone. She's the boss now. Now, sometimes really she made my life hell. I said to myself, should I prove to her I'm the same man? And Jesus said to me, Shh. I didn't know why, but then I realized my calmness amazed her. This is the man I couldn't say to him, no. Go and take that thing. No, I am busy. Go and beat her. Now she's, you know, saying, how can it be? This man, even I am putting pressure on him. He's showing calm. Really, gospel changed his life. In my absence, without asking me, she, she was taking my gospel and reading. She didn't tell me because she was pride. She's a Muslim now. You don't share the, you know, your husband. He's, he has done an evil thing. If you see the, he sees the book in my hand, then he thinks that I'm confirming that, you know. And also, it's just scary. Because as a Muslim, you should not have the Bible in your hand. Anyhow, she didn't tell me, but I caught her one night. It was around 2 in the morning. I woke up. I couldn't sleep. I, I didn't see him in the, her the, in the room, in the bedroom. She didn't come, worried me. I went out, I saw light was on her. She was reading a book in the corner. And I went closer, I saw that's my book. That's my gospel. I said, what are you doing? It's two in the morning, you're, you're reading a book? Oh, that's my book. <laughs> oh, you're reading my gospel. And I went closer, I saw she was reading Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 is the fascinating chapter for Muslim ladies. Because in Islam, a husband can have four wives and as many as short-term wives, I shared, to, shared with you. Even though she was a committed Muslim, she didn't like her husband to have more than one wife. But nobody supported her. You know, no, no religious leader, no... Koran doesn't support her. She, I really wanted to have my second, third, and fourth wives. But law was not changed yet in Iran. I had to get her permission for the first wife. She didn't give it to me. And also my family members didn't like me to have more than wives because already we had a chaos in my father's house with two wives, you know? Anyhow, praise God, it didn't happen. But 
She never liked her husband to have more than a wife or husbands to have more than a wife. Now she's reading Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 says one husband, one wife. She randomly opens the gospel and reads it and then sees that and she says, oh, this book must be a good book. <laughs> that draws her attention. I told her actually there, I said, oh, that that chapter is a mighty chapter. And she said, she smiled to me and she said, it's not your business to end asleep. And I went to the room, shut the door, cried like a baby. I said, I praise your name. You're a good evangelist. You know how to touch hearts. And so that gave me you know, open the door for open the door for me to talk to her after that. Encourage her to go to ladies' Bible studies. You know, she went there for the first time, found them free. They were talking freely. She had never seen a Muslim lady to speak freely like that. She said. We are calling these people ungodly people, but they are very free. If really that's the ungodliness, that should be good. And so she came and I asked her, she said, that was, that was amazing. They, I saw they were free. I said, are you going to continue? She said, I think so, yeah. So then after that, she had it rain. She was walking with Jesus and several other ladies in her dream. And all of a sudden, they came to a, a steep valley, very steep. And she was afraid. All other ladies and Jesus went. And even a lady stayed to help her. She was afraid to fall down. She couldn't go. And Jesus turned back and said, just take your first step. Don't be afraid. She took the first step, the valley was lifted up. The whole land became flat and she walked to Jesus. In the morning, she said to me, I got this bomb, I jumped and broke Isaiah chapter 40, opened the chapter for her and read, all valleys and mountains will become level. Why? Because mighty God is walking in front of you. You need to trust him. That's what the Bible says. Isaiah speaks actually in several places. And Jesus even speaks about that, you know, in the gospel. She started to cry. You know, I, I, I became emotional crying with her. I asked her, why are you crying? She said to me, why are you crying? <laughs> so that softened her heart, touched her heart. Um to read the gospel sincerely. And after two and a half months, she gave her heart to the Lord too. Next one, please. And God touched in an amazing way the life of our children. I have a stories to tell you. I mean, it takes longer, really. Um, um, possibly I just give you one of the stories of, of my children. A Turkish guy, a radical Turkish Muslim said to me, very soon we'll take your children from you. Imagine 
in a strange country, your children have gone and fallen into the hands of strangers. In, in your own country, they take your children, possibly give them to uncle or to auntie. They look after them, you know. But in an strange country, that's terrifying. And I really was terrified. And I said to the Lord, please don't allow that to happen. I even was terrified, afraid to tell my wife this happened to me. I didn't tell her. But mighty God came in a mighty way to prove to me that he is the God of children too. You see, um, where is, where is there? Um, you know, I don't, yeah, bring it to me, I'll show you. One of the girls. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. This girl. This is our second child. This is the older one. This is the younger one. This is the middle one. She was a little bit less than four. One of our ex-Muslim friend invited us to his house for dinner and other friends too. And they said that you need to bring your Muslim friends there. So to build friendship, you know, extended friendship. So we couldn't find anyone. We were just walking from our house to his house in Istanbul, in Turkey. On the way to his house, I found one Iranian guy. I had spoken to him a couple of times and about Jesus. He was a pilot. He'd run away from Iran. I said, if you're happy, you come with us to my friend told me that you, we, can, we could ask our friend to come on with us. So I convinced him he came. So we went to, the, to his house. Iranians normally sit on the floor. So we were sitting on the floor, and uh, he was sitting by me. This girl was in front of me, my daughter. We were talking, people were talking, waiting for, for dinner. And uh, when we talked, you know, anytime we were not talking, in a, in a moment we were not talking, he spoke to my child. You know, that's a, just a, that's a culture among Iranians. If you want to show seriousness in friendship, you talk to children in a nice way. You know, he, he said to the girl, how are you, beautiful girl? She said, um, Oh, I'm doing fine, thank you. And then she, she stood up and looked at his face and said, uh, I see lots of pain in your heart, sir. Now this four years old girl, he was shocked, I was shocked, you know. And uh, 
He was really in pain. He ran away from the country. Iranian government took his father and brother into prison and said, if you do not bring them, you'll be always staying. You do not encourage him to come back. You'll be always staying in prison. They were afraid that he had the secret of the army. He may share it with Israel or America or Western countries. So it was, he was in pain that his dad and brother were in prison because of him. Since this girl says, I see your heart full of pain, he was shocked, amazed. And he called the attention of all people sitting in the circle. Please, people, I'm sorry, I don't know you, you don't know me, but this girl is speaking to me strange. Could you please just listen what she's saying to me? And he asked her again, what did you say, little girl? She said, I see your heart is full of pain. And he cried. You know, I didn't know even why I was crying. I was crying too. <laughs> and he said, little girl, I'm really in pain. I don't know what to do. She said, give your heart to Jesus. He will heal your heart. And people are crying. You know, we're just praising God, rejoicing in God. It finished. I said to him, it's not fair. You didn't listen to me. You listen to a baby? That's what our amazing God does. God came there to say to me, don't worry. I'm the God of your children. I can silence the foe through the mouth of children. That's the sound. You know? I think Psalm chapter 8. One or eight. I think so. So God in a mighty way came into my life and changed the entire family. You know, next one, brother. Um, when Jesus changes your life, you cannot keep quiet. He established an amazing relationship between you and himself. As I mentioned to you, it's the loving relationship. Love never keeps quiet. Love speaks out. If you love someone, you speak out. You, ha you have to speak out. If you don't, that means you're not in really loving relationship with the person. That's the philosophy of Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about that on Sunday. He said to us, go and talk. Do not be afraid. So it really encouraged me that he changed my life in every way. I said, if I'm the light of Christ, I need to shine. He, he is so amazing. He's calling me. His light, the light of the world. He's calling you the light of the world. It's amazing. The God of the universe is calling you the light and says, light, 
you don't you never cover the light light is for to sh shine on its surrounding so that philosophy helped me to be a mouth of christ among people and uh, reaching out mainly to Muslims. And I discovered that the, the outreach in Christ is amazing. It's so powerful in everywhere. Because he is beautiful in everywhere, his values are really so powerful, influential and beautiful, draws people's attention. And if people know that, they are not going to say no to you. So I decided, I said, you know, this is the gift he has given to me. This is what he wants from me. I need to go. So we started um, um, with, my, with one of my friends, Australian friend. He helped me a lot. We started the ministry, um, Exodus from Darkness, and that's word was given by the Lord to me in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. He transferred us from the darkness of kingdom of darkness into his kingdom. There's a darkness in everybody's life. In he or she needs to find that. And I'm sure that there are darkness in your life. You need to find it. To allow Jesus to nail on the cross. There are Either it's the cultural darkness, either it's the family darkness, either it's the social darkness, it's hindering you to keep quiet. You know, you are the crowned prince and princesses of Jesus Christ. That's what, that's the way he looks at you. And that's why he said to you, go. Talk to your surrounding. I mean, you don't need to travel like me, thousands of miles. <laughs> you can go here, you know. You can go to your children. You can go to your uncle, your daddy, or neighbor. You know, you need to shine in every in every possible way. So that what was my motivation for the ministry. So I started the EFT. EFT does evangelistic ministry, you know, apologetic ministry, just give reason for everything, you know. With that, we encourage people to listen to us and to understand with reason that there is no any, anybody superior to Jesus. There is no one's values are better than the values of Jesus Christ. No one's. There are nice people in the world. And I, I was talking last night to brothers. I said, Buddha really was a nice man. But he didn't know how to lead a family. He left his six-month-old baby with his wife. He was a prince from the family of prince. He, you see, he doesn't have value for family. And his, his idea for me, his ideology, I think it's the most baseless ideology in the world. He said everything is nothing. Everything goes to nothingness. You know, nothing. If it is nothing, why well, you're killing yourself? 
Why are you just eating a bowl of rice every day if it is nothing? <laughs> there is something that you're doing that, pushing you to do that, you know? You see, even he doesn't know how to speak. A beautiful man. That, that's why I'm saying to you, Jesus is amazing in every. Why he is amazing? Because he is God. He is mighty God. A man cannot give value like him. So I need to share it with people. And even with Western people. It's amazing that Western people have lost a lot because of ignorance. They don't know gospel and Bible deeply. And that's why if you do not know, the stranger comes in and ruins. You see, these countries still, praise God, there is freedom here. We are, we are free here talking to each other, you know. That freedom doesn't exist in many countries. But if really it goes like this, we are going to lose this freedom. In Australia, in Western countries, already some of the Christians are persecuted in Western countries. So West, one, one part of my ministry is just go to them with reason, talk to them that this is the best. You need to protect it. And also, I know that I need the churches in reaching out to, to the world and to Islamic world. Because ministry in Christ is not the individual ministry. It's the ministry of the body. That's why I need you. That's why you have been supporting my ministry through the faith promise for decades. We need each other to, to start partnership. Partnership with the churches. We are, with the help of the churches, with your help, with the help of other denominations, I get lots of support from all over the world. We are also building partners through ex-Muslims in their own countries so can, they can do the same thing I am doing in their own mother language to their own people to spread the kingdom of God among them. The other part of my ministry is working, reaching out to Muslims. The whole Islamic countries, mainly in 1040 window. So for that, I have written a particular book. I've written four books. One of the books is in particular for this. It just responds to the challenges, to all challenges and questions of Muslims. Prepare also those people who are working among Muslims and also teaches ex-Muslims to disciple themselves through the book in order to disciple, disciple others. So, next one, brother. That, that book is this, Understanding and Freedom. It's translated in those languages, English, Persian or Farsi, Arabic, Urdu, Turkish, Indonesian, Swahili, Mandarin, Bangla, French, Hausa, and Russian. This year, we are working on um, Tagalog, Filipino language. And it's freely accessible by people on our website. Now, this 
13 translation already is freely access accessible by more than a billion Muslims. So they can read in their own mother language. And also part of my ministry also is preparing videos, short videos, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, about everything. Because I know philosophy, I know doctrine, I know the culture. So I speak about everything, putting in the website in order to reach out to the Islamic world and, and among those millions of Muslims who have run away from their countries to other countries. And um, so people are following our channel, as I mentioned, because we um, reveal the values of Christ about everything in life. Mm. And God is leading many others to the Lord in an amazing way. I'll just, if I have time, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you um, um, an example at the end how, you know, uh, we are leading, leading to next one, brother. I'm just pushing this one. So um, what is the reason for us really to reach out to Muslim? Next one. You know, there are a lot of bloodshed among Muslims too. They kill each other. The 20th century has shown us, you know, shockingly bloodshed by Muslims and socialists. You know, imagine only in 20th century, um, how many I say, nearly 150 million only killed by socialists, you know? Um, sign that they believe that they are the, you know, pro-science people, you know, uh, they, they are for freedom, but they only killed millions of people. And millions of people also were killed by Muslim, Muslim by Muslim or Muslim non-Muslim. So when only Jesus is the really response for them, to give comfort to them, to give, you know, respect to them, to respect other people. That's because of that we are just uh, motivated to see really Muslims are free from that hatred. I've got a family more than 100. I, you know, it's just only my family motivates me, you know, to care about them, to come out from that turmoil and disaster, painful life, suffering in every way, but still they are stuck to Islam. You know, they think that maybe leaders have hijacked Islam. Now the problem, right, you know, is at the root of Islam. And so um, Jesus is the best model and the time is really prone for us to reveal to them that Jesus is good in everywhere. Jesus is very sensitive toward individual freedom. That's why he came to give freedom to people. He knows how to protect freedom. Islam cannot protect freedom. Any other religion cannot protect freedom. They speak about freedom, but they, they are unable. They do not have that capacity. Next one, please. And um, so we are, EFT, my organization, I am covering everything in my talk, either philosophical talk or doctrinal talk, cultural 
talk I'm doing to them, why Jesus is superior in every way. I'm giving the reason why their religion cannot be. I'm giving reason from their own holy book that it cannot be perfect. And so convincing them in every way. When many of our Muslims are disillusioned with their own religion, and many of them want to become ungodly. They think only God, Islam was the only religion introduced God. Now that God is corrupt and there is no any hope. So they are going and joining the atheist people. So we are becoming the voice of Jesus Christ and saying to them, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. You don't know about God. You don't know about the true God. Islamic God is not the true God. And so that's helping them um, um, to, to understand what we are saying. Um, we are revealing um, this stuff uh, through our online channel. If you go to the channel, you know, Daniel Shaiste channel, and you get there hundreds of them there. There are in English and uh, in Farsi, in Arabic, in other languages, so if you're interested, just go watch my um, channel and see what I have been doing. Um, so that's that's what I'm teaching them, that Islam does not respect freedom. Islam really meddles in the life of people. That's is the political, it's the only political religion in the world. Everything is politics. Islam should rule, everybody should obey. Islamic ethic, Islamic morality, no other religion is accepted. Every religion must be wiped out. Everybody in the world should become Muslim. That's, that's what the Quran teaches. Talk to them in a nice way. If they do not become Muslim, then kill them. Show the sword to them, you know, in the old time, now gone. Now, you know, uh, bomb. Now even cyber attack, you know, online attack, in every way, invade, invade them and do not let them to live with comfort. Next one, brother. I just want to get to the end and give um, a portion of our time to question. So they are understanding. You see, in Iran is the number one country among all Islamic countries for many people especially young people giving their heart to the Lord. It's the number one vicious country toward Christianity among Muslim countries. And it's the number one also for many people coming to the Lord because they reveal the real face of Islam to people and uh, people understood what Islam is, what the God of Islam is. Islamic God is a corrupt God. You know, very corrupt, immorally. He corrupted Satan. He corrupted people. That's in the Quran. You know, Islamic doctrine is this. If Allah has pushed us into sin, then that means adultery is from Allah too. You know, every sin is from Allah. So they are understanding. If Allah is the problematic God, then I what I would you know, expect from ayatollahs and religious leaders. They are not going to be any better than their God. So that's why they are disillusioned and they are leaving Islam. They are, they are 
understanding that Islam is a complete chain and holds you in cap captivity. And um, so just let me give you one example here to you. You know, I've got three examples to give to you. Maybe the, maybe the middle one. The, yeah, it's, it's a little bit shorter, so. You know, I was in Africa. I was speaking. I, I just want to tell you how powerful the evangelism of Jesus Christ is. How powerful the logic of Jesus Christ for life is. How beautiful his values are for life. You convince people, even though they are your enemies and they attack you. So I was speaking in a big church in Africa. And the Muslims in the neighborhood were very strong. Um, one of the imam, imam means the leader, you know, like, like pastor of the mosque, mosque was big, had several imams, one of them come into the Saturday conference I was teaching, comparing Islam and Christianity, just one of the subjects, he came there, and he wanted to attack me and punch me in the midst of over 300 people. You know, how fascist they are, how disrespectful they are, that even I was in South Africa, even South Africa has one or two percent Muslims, 98% are non-Muslim, you respect the majority, you know, but that's what they are, they do. If they have power, they exercise their power to frighten you, to keep you silent. So several people saw that it was going to, he was going to punch me and uh, jumped up and uh, protected me and they didn't allow him to, you know, beat me. I said, I kindly asked him, so what is your name? He said, Muhammad. That's the name of his prophet. <laughs> I said, um, uh, Mr. Muhammad, you, you remind me my past. Um, you, what you're doing is not as strange to me because I was doing that too. I didn't like anybody to criticize Islam. But since, sir, you are very passionate to beat me, to punch me, I'm going to give myself to you in a, a few minutes to punch me as much as you want. And I will ask these people to get away and stay there, not to interfere. But I need to ask you a couple of questions before that. You need to answer in front of these people so they can they are convinced and they go and sit there. I asked him the first question, don't you believe that your religion is the perfect religion? That's what they learn from childhood. You start hearing, learning, they teach you that Islam is the last and perfect religion. No religion is more perfect than Islam. And all other religions come and follow Islam. So they learn from childhood Islam is the perfect religion. And 
He responded immediately, yes, Islam is the perfect religion. I said, sir, don't you believe that a perfect religion should have the perfect wisdom? He paused a little bit and then answered, yes, I think so. So I said, sir, I just want to make sure what you responded. You said that your religion is perfect religion and it has the perfect wisdom. Am I right, sir? He said, yes. I said, sir, perfect religion doesn't need punch. Perfect wisdom never uses punch. Perfect wisdom in calmness responds to every challenge, every question, every criticism too, sir. Now, sir, you love to prove that you're not following the perfect religion. Please come and beat me. Let these people see that you're not following a perfect religion. I caught him very badly. I mean, from my perspective, very nicely. <laughs> he apologized me in front of all people. I said, sir, your apology is accepted, but I am not convinced that we have finished our conversation. This is my card, sir. Could I have your email, please, so we can talk to each other personally? Six months of conversation through email. They are in my, one of my books, Christ about all, 50 pages. After six months, he gave his heart to the Lord. An imam of a mosque who attacked me. And then his mosque people wanted to kill him. He ran away from his country to England. The evangelism in Christ is mighty. We just need to prepare ourselves. We need to help our children. We need to invest in their life. No matter what they do, they become the light of Jesus Christ to people. You see, this Wisdom in Christ is so powerful. People cannot say no to it, no to that. And that's where, what, one of the reasons our ministry is successful. And we are so fortunate that you're partners in that. I think we'll have a lot of high five in heaven. <laughs> God bless you all. Thank you. This is my first uh, session. Um, we are going to have a little break, and then after that, if there are any questions, uh, any questions, I can answer the question. God bless you. Thank you.